1: plushcare.com slash weight loss
2: Hi everyone I'm John
0: Verhoven, and I was a cop back in Sydney in the 80s and I'm Paul Verhoeven John's son I'm an author and I wrote two books about dad's time as a cop The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned
2: my time in general duties forensics my time as a firefighter and even my stint running a funeral home.
0: But this season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown
2: to the family, from the Morehouse murders to haunted highways, this season of Loose Units is your go to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history.
0: Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello, and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Last week, Dad and I were dealing with the disappearance of the Yuba County Five. Now, they were driving into the middle of nowhere, a snowstorm came, and four months later, well, Dad, today we're going to talk about what happened after that four-month break, after the snow thawed, effectively. So, what exactly did investigators finally discover? It took them about four months to
2: start to, I was going to say sort of unravel this mystery, but that's actually, it's been sweet FA unravelling.
0: I think it's fair to say. But I mean, people were obviously looking. uh, Like you said, there were all kinds of appeals in the newspapers and Mm. on the news. Families were desperate to find out what had happened to their... They were, they were.
2: They cobbled together the, the saddest amount of money that I think I've ever in my life heard in relation to... A reward it was around about $1,500 oh that's sad don't you find that just
0: sad I mean it's sad that you have to offer a reward you know I mean if you feel like you can help somebody if you saw something I, I $1,500 is probably not going to make somebody who's keeping their lips shut you know because they're afraid or whatever that's not going to bring them out of the woodwork is it no it's not
2: but one, I mean, if, if the authorities sort of don't, you know, chip in, yeah. then it's it's natural. And I guess in these times we have things like
0: crowdfunding mm-hmm. and it was a very, very small community. Yeah, so look, February 24, 1978, five men with, you know, I would say intellectual disabilities vanished yeah. and it took until the warmer months for the... Mm. Well, for, for the truth to be revealed. but mm. Well, when I say the truth, I mean, you know, uh, I don't mean an explanation as to what actually happened. No, that's no. not been revealed, as you pointed out, right? That's right. And and to, to be sort of made aware that
2: some of the police officers, one in particular, mm-hmm. who took this whole thing incredibly seriously. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not to take from police not taking things seriously because... You know, having been in the police force, police do have a genuine desire to get to the bottom of things, be it a murder, um, you know, a sexual assault, missing persons, and as is, is sort of fairly common in Australia, for example, like, you know, a young child goes missing, it often makes the lead story... In the national news and the the celebration and delight and coming together in the sort of society when the person is found alive, Mm -hmm. it, it makes people feel really good and one has to give great credit to the emergency services. But the police officers involved in this particular case, one in particular, had gone to school with some of these guys. Right. And it got to him so, I'm going to say so badly, so deeply, mm-hmm. that he he used to dream about the, the guys. And he's quoted as saying that he had this dream one night and he actually woke up and he saw one of the boys at the end of his bed. And it really, really affected him. That's pretty and creepy. It's pretty creepy. And also, they, as a lot of police do, um, and they don't necessarily admit to this all the time, but they did get psychics in. And one particular psychic, I mean, some of the theories, some of the stories were so unbelievable and the police managed to sort of punch holes in most of the stories, but there were a few stories that did resonate. And there was a story that, They'd been taken to this red-brick two-story house in this this town and the psychic even gave, gave them the number, the street number. And as, as we all, or most of us probably know, is that in America, if a road is 500 kilometers long mm-hmm. and you're at one end and your street number is one, travel 500 kilometers your number might be 47930 which is a weird thing and i don't know whether america is the only place in the world that does that it kind of makes sense but it's weird as well wouldn't you
0: say yeah yeah I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff about america that i
2: find very true weird, true yeah. um but this police officer he went into this town he drove up and down every single street in the town right trying to find a house that bore some resemblance to the psychic's description. So these were were desperate times. It wasn't for four months Mm -hmm. until the police made a grisly, excuse the pun, the reason I say pun is that there are bears and mountain lions. There are all sorts of amazing animals.
0: The terrain up there was incredibly bad. I'm going to read this excerpt from a piece, Dad. I think this pretty accurately sums up how hard it was to search. You know, Mm. the formal search, not the psychic, desperate search. Mm. Organizing a search party in the midst of winter was no easy task, especially when it meant combing through rough terrain filled with rocky surfaces, wooded paths, and snow-covered slopes. Helicopters surveyed the area from above. On the ground, officers tried to use horses to get around on the rocky roads. They entertained a number of eyewitness sightings of the men, including one where they were driving the pickup Shones had mentioned, but none seemed plausible. Their families raised a, ah, it says here, $2,600 award. Maybe that's the Australian kind of conversion. Yeah. For information, petitioned psychics and waited by their phones, but they heard nothing, not until the Thor came. And that's the four-month-later Thor that you are about to mm. discuss with us. Mm. <clears throat> the first
2: two bodies that were found... Mm-hmm.
0: In June them. of that year. In right? June, yeah. So,
2: yeah. Uh, you know, this the, the event took place in February. Mm-hmm. In June, they found Madruga and Sterling. The two guys, they were 18.3 kilometers from the car. That's a long, long way. In
0: that weather, especially.
2: In that weather. Now, listeners may be wanting to know, because we mentioned last week, Paul, that the car stopped at the snow line. Mm-hmm. How did they make their way, bearing in mind it's five able-bodied men, four with intellectual varying disabilities and one with schizophrenia, but he was well and truly medicated. Two of them had been in the military, which is really interesting in terms of something that I'm going to mention
0: in today's episode. Okay, because that would imply to me that they would have the requisite skills to survive. Correct.
2: And all the survival tools, as we'll become aware, Mm -hmm. were actually there. But, you know, how they actually made their way up this road in thick snow is quite fascinating. The answer to that is that the day before, a snowplough had cut its way all the way from where they left their car to a particular point that we shall mention
0: shortly. Would that imply that they, in the weather that they had and in that poor light, they, they may have thought that was a road? Quite possibly. I don't understand. Mm.
2: Firstly, that does tie in with Shones or Sean's Uh, We all know he had two versions, whether or not either of them are real, but what would had to have happened is that the five men would had to have walked past his car, which was ahead of their car, which had stopped, okay? Mm -hmm. And then the the Shons, Shon's guy did make reference to he heard and saw people coming toward him with torches and that's an interesting point but he then says that when he shouted out to them bearing in mind weirdly it was only eight meters which is half of sweet fuck all yeah yeah uh he said that they all turned their torches off and just
0: went quiet do do you think i mean my after last week's episode where you talked about the altercation at the store Mm. i think it, it, it seems more and more likely that they were scared of something or someone right
2: that, that's a very very valid point
0: but I mean if it was animals you would you would want to make as much noise as possible and lights the only reason you would turn your torches off is to avoid detection by people in my good opinion. point but they it's only eight meters it's 25 feet yeah
2: they've got torches yeah although that's kind of weird why would they have so many torches we did touch on that last week I find that problematic because they weren't ostensibly planning this This whole thing sort of came out of the blue. We know that because they had an incredibly important, possibly life-changing event the next day. Yeah. Okay? They've gone in the opposite direction. It's insane. The witness reports from the store owner and the manager, as mentioned last week, categorically stated, and the police backed them up by saying they were reliable and sound witnesses, that two of them were cited in a red pickup truck. So there are all sorts of things that we just don't know or understand. So, I mean, weirdly, I don't understand on this narrow track, which has been cut with a snowplow in front of the Volkswagen, how on earth do they walk past a guy in a car who says he got out of the car? Mm -hmm. They've turned their torches off. They wouldn't be able to see. It'd be the weather's bad, they then mysteriously make their way 18 kilometres and they were not dressed for the occasion and they've just kept going and hmm. and over four months where they just couldn't find them, they eventually found uh, Madruga and Sterling and they in the coroner's report it was stated that they died of hypothermia and we don't really know when during that period they passed away there have been some theories to say that they passed away they were the first to die and their bodies had been basically mauled beaten and you know taken advantage of by by wildlife and there are many, many types of wildlife in that, that, that region mm-hmm. that would have, you know, um, I guess found it um, in terms of the natural selection process. They would have come across them and started to, to feed on their bodies, um, yeah. which is fairly depressing because the it, to be a first responder coming across these two guys would have been traumatic, to say the least. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, there was Hewitt. Now, because the police were intimately involved and knew all the potential victims, Hewitt's father wanted to assist... On this fateful day, four months later, and and rightfully so. I mean, I'm sort of picturing myself. If you or Mark or Anne were missing, I would, if possible, want to sort of get involved. Yeah. But the police were very, very um, concerned for the father's well being. They were very, very worried that Hewitt's father, if he was to come across. The remains of his son. He would Oh, it'd and, ruin you! It'd yeah. absolutely ruin you. Yeah, yeah. And they, but they, they just wanted to protect him. Yep. And <clears throat> this is rather sort of, um, rather full on and quite messed up. Okay. So they found there was this road between the trailer and and the side of the Montego. So we know that eighteen point three kilometres away from where the car had been left they found the first two now two days after that Mm -hmm. they had a search party and hewitt's father who they just had literally begged him not to go on this um you know this search as fate would have it hewitt's father found his son's backbone what? Under a manzanita bush. And it was 3.2 kilometres east of the trailer. Now, we haven't really spoken about the trailer yet. The tra-
0: yeah, the trailer is going to be a real focal point, but this yeah. is terrifying.
2: But Hewitt's father actually found his son's backbone. Jesus Christ. That's, That's why they... They just didn't want him to be... They just had a feeling that he was. it was not going to be good. And then... Yeah. Very close to the body, the father found Mm -hmm. the shoes and jeans of his son, which helped to identify the body. Then the next day, the deputy sheriff found Hewitt's skull 91 metres down a hill. Jesus. Okay? So they retrieved the skull and the backbone. What on earth happened to the rest of the bones, I don't know.
1: you a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com
2: and then near the trailer <clears throat> they found three wool forest service blankets and two flashlights mm-hmm. do, do you recall me mentioning the flashlights so the, you I know, do. Yeah, I mean that's flashlights that they may well have <clears throat> got from the trailer, and they know that the three blankets were issued for the purpose of survival. So if you if things are really really bad, the weather takes a, a turn for the worse. You can get to this this trailer, the trailer which is sixty feet long. That's um, golly, that's that's twenty meters. Yeah. Paul, that's almost half an Olympic swimming pool. I
0: know.
2: That is a huge trailer. This trailer is set up for survival. And then what happens next?
0: Well, is... what's in this... When you say it's set up for survival, what exactly is in this trailer? Because let's say that you are staggering through the woods and you yep. find a trailer which has everything that this trailer has in it. Hmm. You would think you had struck the goddamn load, right? That's right, yeah. But, yeah. It, but now... There is so much anomalous stuff around this trailer. There are so many things about this whole trailer thing which do not make sense, especially given the proximity of the other uh, members of the Yuba County Five. Mm. So can you talk us through the specifics of this trailer and why it's particularly confusing for investigators? Mm.
2: Well, what happened was um, some hikers, they were, you know, Doing what they do, hiking crew, mm. and they came across this 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 trailer. Yeah, it's like a survival trailer.
0: It's on it's, a campground site as well, so and it's, it's not got just... everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: but it's locked, so I'm not quite sure how they got how... in. No, no, I know, I know how the well, someone got in, yeah. but what these hikers realised when they sort of checked out this big sort of you know um, like a caravan sort of yeah. camper thing, yeah. Um, is that it had been broken into? Okay. So that sort of made them curious. They go inside this uh, this this van, and th- they are hit with the most terrible smell. And they realized that there was something, you know, awry inside the van. Mm-hmm. And when they go into the trailer, they find a bed, and the body. There's 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 a body. That was wrapped entirely, like we're talking completely wrapped from head to toe in eight sheets. Okay, but the weird thing about this is that the bodies, the heads, also wrapped as well. So it almost looked as though it had been prepared for for, for burial. And of course, that was one of the one of the five, and that was uh, we are, um... I'm not quite sure how you pronounce his surname. Weiher. He's lying on this bed, and according to the post mortem, he had lost half his body weight.
0: And he was badly he had very frostbitten feet. Terrible, that... terrible no, injuries to his no feet. shoes. His he shoes were off. His
2: shoes were gone. Yep, yep. There was a there was a pair of shoes in near his near his bed, but but. They weren't his shoes. They think,
0: Dad, they think that those shoes belong to Gary Matthias, who is the one member of the Yuba County Five who has never been recovered. Mm. So some people theorize that he left his shoes behind and then took Weir's shoes. Correct, yeah.
2: But, but, but he would have also tended to him, they believe. But right. let's talk about something really, really interesting surreal and bizarre sure sure and that is that do you know that? have you read about the little table that was next to the bed
0: Uh, no there's a whole bunch of stuff in this trailer which doesn't make sense but tell me about the table
2: well on the trailer yep um, we has personal effects Mm -hmm. so he had his wallet yeah, with cash inside it he had a nickel ring with Ted T-E-D engraved there was a gold necklace that he frequently wore okay but here's the weird thing. Yeah. Next to the bed was a gold watch. Now, his family, the Weir family, said that that watch did not belong to him. But there was also a partially melted candle. Now, bearing in mind, Paul, that they believe, due to the hair, the, uh, his beard growth, yeah. that he'd actually survived for. Well, after the la- the last time he shaved, they believed that he lived for 13 weeks.
0: Okay. But only a, only a few... Because there were lots of supplies in this trailer. That's one oh. of the problems with this trailer is it was full of canned goods and Paul, a can opener. And only a few cans had been opened, not nearly enough to account for 13 weeks.
2: But also, Paul, there were numerous paperback books yep. which could have been used for fuel. There was a... There were supplies, but outside in this um, sort of secondary storeroom yeah. were enough supplies to last the five guys one year. And they only needed to turn a propane valve mm-hmm. and they would have had
0: cooking and heating. Is it possible that that was where they were headed in the first place? All of them to this trailer?
2: <coughs> it It's possible. Um, although they do say that only one or two of them had ever been there and that would had been a long, long time ago. Okay. But they also know that the the can opener mm-hmm. they used to open cans was a, it's sort of a survival military type can opener and I had one uh, when I used to do a lot of camping and they are challenging to use. You've, you've got to know how to use them. Sure. Um, And But two of them, we know, had had military training. So it just doesn't gel. They had protection. They had food for five for a year. And how one of them was found, he hadn't put the blankets over his own body, Paul. He had been basically wrapped in a way, almost like a sarcophagus. There
0: is something about this, Dad, that I would like to run by you. Now, when this was actually happening, uh, last week in the episode, I tracked down an article from the Washington Post that was published at the time of the discovery of the bodies, right? Mm. And I think I was commenting on how graphic it was, how almost... And I'm noticing this a little bit. When we go back to these cases in the Shadow Files, sometimes the papers just say things which I, I regard as a little beyond the pale, but let me just read from this article in the Washington Post. Nobody found anything, not so much as a shoe, until after the spring thaw, when on June the 4th, a small group of Sunday motorcyclists wandered into a deserted forest service trailer camp at the end of the road and inhaled a nauseating smell. It was Ted Weir stretched out on a bed inside the main 60 foot trailer, frozen to death. Eight sheets, and again, that's enough sheets to take care of all these people. Eight sheets had been pulled over his body and tucked around his head. His leather shoes were off and missing. A table by the bed held his nickel ring with Ted engraved on it, his gold necklace, his wallet with cash inside, and a gold Waltham watch, its crystal missing, which the families say had not belonged to any of the five men. Weir had been a tall, heavy set fellow back in February, 5 feet 11, 200 pounds. I don't know what that is in kilos, but I'm guessing it's pretty pretty solid. Mm. By the time his body was found, he had lost from 80 to 100 pounds. Okay, so about half his body weight. His feet were badly frostbitten. The growth of beard on his face showed that he had lived apparently in starving agony inside that trailer for anywhere from 8 to 13 weeks. He was 19.4 miles from the car. Weir, wearing a striped velour shirt and lightweight green pants, had walked or run, or been somehow taken in the moonlight through almost 20 miles of 4 to 6 foot high snowdrifts to reach the locked trailer where he died. Now this is the thing that grabs me dad. The trailer had been broken into through a window. No fire had been built although matches were lying around and there were paperback novels and wood furniture that would have been burned easily as you pointed out. More than a dozen sea ration cans from an outside storage shed had been opened and emptied. One had been opened with an army p 38 can opener, like you said, which only Madruga and Matias, who had served in the army, probably knew how to use, but no one had opened a locker in the same shed containing enough dehydrated Mexican dinners and fruit cocktails and assorted other meals to keep all five alive for a year. Again, you pointed that out. No one had touched the propane tank in another shed outside either. All they had to do was turn that gas on, says Yuba County Lieutenant Lance Ayres, and they'd have had gas to the trailer and heat. So, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, either this guy had some sort of episode and it didn't occur to him to take care of himself or something I would say vaguely sinister happened. What do you think about the breaking in? Because Mm. if you... Look, if that was the trailer that you'd all secretly planned to kind of hide out in, right, then Mm. why would you need to break in? And if you'd set that thing up, then you would know that the food was there.
2: Mm. But also, Paul, the one person that survived the fifth guy. Mhm. He he is more than likely the person that wrapped his friend up and almost sort of look it's weird the way he was wrapped, isn't
0: it? I mean, you only if, really yeah, if 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 it was someone you knew, that's the kind of that's what you'd do, I think, potentially. Mm, it's interesting.
2: Right. And then um, of course one person has never been found. Yeah. And that in itself, I mean, ah, his bones. It's been a long time, Paul.
0: Yeah.
2: It's been over 30 years. They've never, ever found him. I have and to ask.
0: I have to ask, Dad. Do you think he's a suspect?
2: It's a very, very good question. I... Do you
0: think he took the shoes, first of all?
2: Oh, hundred without a doubt. Okay, hundred percent, mm. and 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 that's that's, you know, that's 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 a no-brainer, and probably out of necessity. Yeah, my my gut feeling, based on all the evidence, aside from all the speculation, but it's a sure. mystery, of course. But yeah, my gut feeling is that the fifth guy is is dead i believe he died i don't understand why they didn't utilize everything in the in the vehicle in the, in you know that that sort of shelter they had everything there they had food they had fuel heat had everything, and what I will say is that I believe that Madruga and Sterling passed away en route to the shelter. I think that's 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 fairly, you know, that's 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 plausible.
0: And they left them behind.
2: Uh, well, I don't think it's a matter of leaving people behind, Paul. Uh, look it's it's you know it was the weather It it's nighttime it's 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 inhospitable yeah and i mean did they know how far it just seems weird i just the thing i really find troubling in this case they're at the snow line by the way paul when the police arrived at the vehicle a few days later months prior to what we're talking about now they hot wired the car and it started. It had quarter of a tank of gas, okay? And I just don't understand. It wasn't It wasn't badly bogged. The police are of the opinion that they could easily have dislodged the car. Mm-hmm. It, it was just prior to the snow line. But I just don't understand why they didn't walk down the hill. Why would you walk up into the unknown? It's it's and why would you walk past another car with an occupant? Why wouldn't you go up to the person and go, "Hey, we we need we need some help." It just seems unbelievable. And you know when they left the car, which is very unusual, because that guy, the owner of the car, he loved that car. Um, When the police found the car, it had one window down which again you don't do that sort of thing Mm -hmm. you know did they leave in a hurry was there that 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 mysterious pickup behind them were they sandwiched between that and the vw and they couldn't go down the hill because maybe these people had come from the altercation they'd had at that shop in the preceding hour yeah it's so interesting isn't it
0: I mean, the only thing that makes sense to me is that they thought they were in trouble and they were desperately fleeing in some direction. And then happening across that trailer was luck. But God knows what happened next.
2: Yeah, so interesting.
0: Well, I guess there's really no way to conclusively figure out exactly what happened to the Yuba County Five. But it's been absolutely fascinating trying to kind of piece together their final moments. And I cannot imagine what it would have been like to find their remains four months later. If any of you have somehow figured this out, if there have been any follow-ups on this, please get in touch with us at facebook.com forward slash loose units. We honestly have no idea what happened to these young men in the woods all those years ago back in 1978, but... It's an absolutely incredible case, and I I can't even begin to describe how odd it would be to be in that area or be at that campsite and Mm. know what happened there. Anyway, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Don't forget to get in touch with us online, but also don't forget to tune in every Friday for Loose Units, Loose Ends, our weekly spinoff podcast. I'm Paul, and my dad, John, is sitting just over there. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Cheerio.